Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours talking sports. Thanks for spending uh, some of that time here with us. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Bottom of the hour, we're going to start with baseball. Our buddy Matt Snyder, normally a Monday guest. Well, we push him to Tuesday. We'll do MLB conversation at the bottom of hour number one with our buddy from CBSSports.com, Matt Snyder. At 11.05, Scott Docterman from The Athletic. The latest from uh, his perspective. Uh, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you are aware that they do such a tremendous job uh, when it comes to these stories when it comes to college football quite frankly i'm not sure uh, that there's a better outlet as far as uh the gathering of uh, media talent journalists that they have they do a phenomenal job they are all over the realignment and scott dockerman's played a big role in it and he will join us uh gonna take some time away from his vacation so grateful to him for doing that he'll be here at 1105 nick Olson from cyclonealert.com he covers iowa state he'll join us at 1130 and then trent's play of the day circus sports sponsors that comes up about 1150 or thereabouts well three-day holiday weekend is behind us did you enjoy yourself and the family and the fireworks and everything that goes along with the holiday? Yeah, it was great. I uh, had a bunch of family in town this weekend. My sister was back from Cleveland. We had a baby shower for her, so had a lot of the Condon family in, my aunts and uncles. So, so no I, problem with the flights then, apparently? No, made it okay. In fact, awesome. uh, yesterday on the way home, my sister got bumped up to first class. Nice. <laughs> yes, which is good when you're seven months pregnant, getting bumped up oh, in a little more room. Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely a positive there. But the Condons were in town, and... My aunts and uncles, boy, they know how to party. Really? They drink me under the table. No kidding. They're pros. And they're older than you? Yeah, they're, they're your age. <laughs> they they drink you under the table. I'll well, tell I'm you sure that. Sure, they would. I've seen you. You were scared to touch a beer in Vegas at noon. No, I won't. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So you had fun fireworks for the kids. Yeah, then we did fireworks yeah. last night. Went out to Waukee and watched the fireworks over there. So yeah, did that. Saw a bunch on the drive home. Then afterwards, mm-hmm. it was really good time. Kids really enjoyed it. Jack, you know, almost three. Sometimes kids get a little nervous yeah. with that. No, he was all good. Great. He was locked and loaded. Really had it. It was it was a great weekend, but. Need to get back to work and get back in the routine because I'm tired, man. <laughs> that was that was a long three day weekend. It was awesome, really was some uh, some great games. We'll get into a number of those, and of course realignment. I, I spent most of the weekend just trying to keep abreast of of what's. There's so much stuff out there, right? Mm-hmm. The comings and the goings, and uh, is there truly a big meeting in the Big Twelve today? And who's going to strike first? Uh, is it the Pac-12 that tries to? Uh, kick the tires on a couple of Big 12 schools? Is it the Big 12 that reaches out to the Pac-12? I think how I see it is only one of these two is going to survive. Um, If indeed it is the Big 12 that's going to get aggressive, it seems like, boy, boy, it sure makes a lot of sense for the four schools that everybody's speculating, the two Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah. Uh, What does that mean? Does Washington have a seat at the the table Mm -hmm. when the music stops in the Big Ten? Oregon, they don't bring much, but they're a huge brand. Stanford is the San Francisco market. Does North Carolina really want to leave the eight? Trent, there's so much. And... This is the one thing that I'll caution everybody. 
Who knew about USC and UCLA Nobody. until the day happened? <laughs> right. So all these things out there, all these grandiose, and I'm one of them that have put out what I think is ultimately going to yeah. happen. Nobody ultimately knows anything mm-hmm. of, of the people that are out there and what we have found out. Nobody had Oklahoma, Texas before it happened, and nobody had this. Go back to Maryland Rutgers. Yeah. Nobody had that. It just all of a sudden one night, I guess Maryland Rutgers are going to the Big Ten. And I thought it was a joke. This is where we are. So to think that all these different ideas and how quickly and how easy it would be just to shift these teams here and the sh- there's a lot more that goes yep. into it in order for that. So all the speculation and the rumors and the rumblings that are out there. Mm-hmm. Remember. None That's of these people it had it beforehand. They, they, they didn't have anything beforehand. So I don't want to go too deep down that hole, at least in my thought process. But yeah. I love to speculate about it. You know I, that. I do, too. And, and I think it makes for good radio. So we got that caveat there. That, that's Absolutely. out of the way. Yep. We don't know anything, but here, here we, we go. go. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I'm looking at this uh, realignment. Is this 3.0? I mean, with, with the flirtation with Texas... Um, I mean, the Big 12 is imploding. What was that, 2009 or 10? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, last year. I see, I'm looking at this with, I'm actually digging this. Yeah. And that wasn't the case the first two because I don't want, Iowa State's been great for my career. Yeah, Good for your career. Yeah. Everybody does this. I went Iowa State. I mean, come on. They're great for us. And I didn't want to see Iowa State and the terrific fan base. Um, you know, be on the outside looking in. And I don't think they're going to be here, Trent. I've, I've told this story many times before. I... I have somebody that I know that's done sports talk up in Minneapolis. And they say when the Twins suck in the summer, it's awful because you just talk about the Twins. I said, it's great here mm-hmm. because they're not good. But not only that, college sports matter. And not only do we have two major conference teams yeah. that matter, we have two major conferences right. that matter where we can just generally talk about the Big 12 and the Big 10. It doesn't have to be so localized and only about the team because people care about those conferences too. Doubt. And if that goes away... That's not good for sports no, talk radio in this market. It's not good for business. Absolutely. We want Iowa State to maintain their status yes. in a power conference and have a conference that's interesting. And I'll tell you, that conference, Oh my! if all of a sudden you do add the Arizona schools, mm-hmm. Utah, and, and Colorado, that's an intriguing conference. There's no Look, it's not the SEC and no. the Big Ten. Nobody's no. saying that it is. But it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It is not bad. And, you know, you look at the footprint of the schools, right? Yeah. Four Texas schools, two Arizona schools, two Kansas schools, an Oklahoma school. That's not bad at all. Right. Uh, Colorado, the two Utahs, the, uh, the, obviously Iowa State, and the, and the ones out east. It's a pretty darn good footprint that covers every one of the time zones. I think Iowa State is in great shape in this. I really do. Could I be dead wrong? Of course. We just put that caveat out <laughs> there. But I don't think I'm going to be. I don't. I think the Big 12 is the bully when it comes to the... Yep, I get it. It's the Pac-12. My opinion, Pac-12 and the Big 12 are in the ring. And the Pac-12 is absorbing body blows because the Big 12, in my opinion, is is throwing punches. If it comes to fruition, and I, I think this has originated from an Arizona writer that's been talking about this meeting that's going to be happening. Today, apparently. Yes, with those four schools. And let's say that comes to fruition and ultimately it happens. All of a sudden we got, mm-hmm. what happens to Oregon and Washington? Are, well, and Stanford to a to a lesser degree. What mm-hmm. happens if that goes? Because they sit on pins and needles till Notre Dame makes their decision, and that's what the Big Ten is waiting for mm-hmm. is the Notre Dame decision, and then yep. figuring out. All right, we're at seventeen. Do we go to eighteen? Do we go to twenty? Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the next dominoes to fall. So they just have to hold the Pac-12 together and invite some Mountain West schools. I guess come on down, San Diego State, Boise, Boise State, State, couple others, and right. 
can you imagine Stanford and San Diego State? I mean, you talk about a marriage that does not work out very well, certainly with the academia portion of it, because the Pac-12, to a lesser extent, much like the Big Ten, very high opinion academically of what they are. Mm -hmm. Now you're having Stanford having to rub elbows with schools like that? Well, I think if Notre Dame goes, and I believe they're going to, Trent, I, I think that the, the time for their independence has come and gone. I, I think mm-hmm. that this move, that the Big Ten um, the, the Big Ten acted last week, as we know. What's the SEC doing? They're just not going to stand pat, I don't think. No. I get that the grant of rights, the media rights in the ACC is 2036, but is it? I mean, is it really once it comes down to it? Um you know, we were, who knows what the lawyer's argument is going to be. And maybe it's as simple as, you know what, we're not even going to fight it. We're just going to write a check because mm-hmm. in the long run, we're going to be better off. So does the SEC grab the Maya, the full, the Florida schools that remain? Um, does that add a whole lot to their bottom line, though? They're already in Florida. They mm-hmm. already got the TV no, sets they for do. the SEC they network. Do. Yep. Florida certainly doesn't want that. They don't no. want but Those they, teams, and they, yeah. they want to leave them behind if mm-hmm. they, they possibly... You want to come play in the SEC and you're from Florida, you got one choice. Well, remember the stink that Texas A&M rose yep. when Texas was coming. Right. South Carolina's going to do the same thing, and this is also a member that has a lot more, certainly, history to them. I know South Carolina was addition, what, in the early 90s, I think, is when they joined the SEC, but... You would think there's a little bit of sway. Now, can you say no to the Clemson brand? Probably not, but mm-hmm. those are the other factors that you have to look at, and also the Big Ten. Do they say, let's try Florida. Let's go to Miami. Let's take a shot there and try to go that direction. If we're going to go poach North Carolina, Which Virginia. May, would you, what, what, would you, what would you think if North Carolina joined the Big Ten? Is that a fit for you? I know it is in academia. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the best public institutions out there. One that's been long rumored. And, and that's what Jim Delaney wanted. Remember, he went to North Carolina. Yes. And that was a lot of people believed his endgame. Now mm-hmm. he's no longer there, but... That's one that has always been speculated about. It's tough to kind of get that fit, but same thing with Maryland Rutgers, and here they are. (laughs) So sign them up. It'll work, and yeah, road trip to North Carolina, not a bad thing, right? No, absolutely not. Look, they're good in basketball, as we know, mm-hmm. and they're not bad in football. Um, oh, it's fascinating, Trent, and I'm seeing it in an entirely different, uh, entirely different light, uh, because as I, as I said, I think Iowa State's going to be fine once the music stops. Who's going to be joining them? Well, this week's going to go a long way, I, I believe, to mm-hmm. determining just uh, how this thing is going to shake out, because if you are an Arizona school, if you're a Colorado or a Utah, and you get that offer... I don't think you can sit on it. No, no. I, I think that this, this offer comes with an expiration date. If this is going to happen, you've got till the end of the week. You know who might be on the outside looking in from that conference? If Notre Dame joins, I think Stanford joins the Big Ten. Goes with them. I do. I think Oregon is a brand that the Big Ten would want because of Phil Knight, and mm-hmm. it's Oregon. And they're good. Yeah, yeah. And they're good. Where's Washington end up? I think Washington's a marriage with Oregon. I think you those, think they go together to wherever. I think they're more likely than an Oregon Stanford connection. I think it's more even likely. with Notre Dame. Yeah, I think Notre Dame and Stanford are probably connected at the hip. Mm-hmm. And if you get Oregon, you're also going to get Washington. So you, in your mind, it's Notre Dame, Washington, Oregon, Stanford. Yes, that's not bad. Those that's not four. bad at all. That gets you to twenty. Uh huh. Are you done? We're done. Then you go poaching the ACC with North Carolina. With Virginia and two others. What's the Virginia pool? Help me out here. Great academic school. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a huge part about it. National championship in basketball here in yeah, recent history. That's true. Yeah. Great area. 
fertile recruiting ground too, remember? And that was also a big part with the, the D.C. corridor there with Washington, D.C. bringing in Maryland because there was a lot of talk about that. Virginia, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. So that would be at least, I, I think, the idea behind it. But more than anything, it's the academics. That's what always puts them into the conversation. It was the same thing with Rutgers. And for years, we heard the speculation. You know, Rutgers might ultimately end up in the big, no way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. TV market's a huge part of that. Yeah. But also the academics. The State University of New Jersey and AAU University, all those things together is why people, even when they were just brutal, I mean, even before the renaissance of Shiano, you would see that speculation out there. Mm-hmm. Big Ten's never going to offer Rutgers an invitation, and it ultimately happened. Well, what it does is it just bumps up everybody's cable bill that lives in that area. And same thing with Virginia. So right. that, that's a reason behind it that you look at a place like and Virginia. same thing with San, Stanford, because mm-hmm. they're the San Francisco market. And now you get North Carolina, North California. Right, and those people are paying $0.10 cents for your Big, 12, Big Ten network, whether you want it or not. Mm-hmm. You pay $0.10 cents a month for it. Well, that $0.10 cents becomes $1.50. And even in the cable cutting world, that's still important. Right. The and that's a dollar fifty a month. Right. Yeah. Not for the Every year. Every month. Yeah. And you can't say, no, 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 I don't want this. You got you direct have... TV. Right. You got to pay for it. It's going to be part mm-hmm. of your package and you're going to be paying for it. Right. It is. You look at your bill and you'll see regional sport fee. Every single person who turns on a TV that pays a TV bill, whether it's like you said, whether it's the cable st- or it's dish or it's direct, you are paying that um, freight, if you will. So that's huge. Uh, Trent, let's leave it behind. We'll get back to realignment. It's going to be a big talker here. Mm-hmm. Only. You and I talk a lot of sports wagering on the program. <laughs> yes, a real a pioneer, uh, media pioneer, uh, passed away yesterday. Uh, Hank Goldberg, the hammer. <laughs> who really was ahead of his time, man. I yeah. mean, this was a... Yes, we know Jimmy the Greek, who, oh, by the way, Hank Goldberg worked for. Oh, really? Back in this, I didn't know this either. Uh, back in the um, l- late 70s, the CBS days, Hank Goldberg's a young guy at the time, and, and the hammer was a part of ESPN. Remember there was a time, folks... We're talking about sports betting was taboo, mm-hmm. and you know, no, I don't want to hear that. Um, t- turn the radio off. The kids are going to hear this. Uh, this guy was decades ahead of his time, yes, along with Jimmy the Greek. And ESPN would put him on they would, to talk about this. Um, and it was always, it was more than a wink and a nod. It was deeper than that. Yes. And I remember seeing this guy, and I remember him talking about point spreads, and mm-hmm. I was young. But I knew I liked the guy. I, I knew there was something about him. There was instantly you knew this guy. This guy's kind of talking your people. Yes, he's talking a language that makes sense to me, and trying to figure out exactly what he's saying yeah. and what these point spreads mean, and and it just it started to click. And mm-hmm. because of that, he became boy I, one of my favorite ESPN personalities yeah. probably at the time. Mm-hmm. His Sunday NFL countdown, and and when you'd see him on all the different shows that he'd be on, or that quick hit on Sports and you get two minutes for him on a Saturday night and. Ah, yes, I know what he's yeah, saying. I right. know exactly where he's going and the reason behind it. it. It was a completely different era. A guy like that, I mean, today, think of how much, oh. with the knowledge base that yeah, he had, the yeah. personality the that he Rolodex, had. The Rolodex, everybody knew him, everybody wanted him. I mean, the, he was the, in demand. The fan duels and the DraftKings of the world. Without a doubt. How much money Hammer and oh. Hank would have made in his sponsored two minute mm-hmm. segment on SportsCenter as opposed to Jeez. what he was doing with that wink and a nod. It, it, he was. Just a favorite of mine. He just he just seemed like a great person mm-hmm. and loved horse racing and covered the triple yes. crown uh, and always boxing had a too. race boxing. Always mm-hmm. had a racing form in his back pocket. So to you, he spoke of the point spreads. Uh, to me, he was a, he was a disciple of the brothers of the DRF, the Daily Racing Form. 
his uh, dad was a newspaper guy up in the yeah, Northeast in New, New Jersey. Jersey. Yep. And uh, one thing that I heard about him, Tony, Tony Kornheiser, uh, this morning talking about him a little bit, and TK mentioned he had two things. He had the gambling, and he had a newspaper background. But more importantly, he had Don Chula's number. Yeah. And that's what really... Well, he ca- owned Florida, yes. media-wise. I remember he had a talk show... Oh, when it was like going to Florida for for Prairie Meadows business, late nineties, mm-hmm. and and he had an incredibly pot in Miami, right? Yeah. Um, oh, was, he he owned Florida, the state of Florida, media wise. Part of that uh, radio show that he had, he got a new Lexus every eight months. Is that a fact? <laughs> yeah. Kornheiser from mentioned, from a dealer. Yep, mentioned that today. That was part of his radio deal. Every eight months, he got a new one. Is that right? It's not too bad. No, no. Never drive a car with more than three thousand miles on it. But born on July the fourth, yeah. eighty-two years later, on that same date, he would he would pass away. Chronic kidney disease. I saw him uh, in the Triple Crown, leading up to the Triple Crown, and you could just—I mean—he didn't even look like himself, right? He was mm-hmm. just—you could tell. Sadly, uh, he was nearing the end. But man, what a life and what a pioneer! Uh, for something that is so normal today, and there are so many people getting into his realm, um, but he was first, or one of the first to ever do it. He was one of my favorites, and uh, R.I.P. to one yeah. of the good guys, a good guy to to listen to, to be entertained by, and like you said, a pioneer. Yep, making it easier for, easier for everybody. Yep, even before well, we had everything overturned here a few years back. Talk gambling. Hank was a part of making nope. that a little more viable here on the airways. Without a doubt. All right, let's do some baseball from over the weekend. Um, start with uh, start with the, the game last night. Twins White Sox. Good God, that was an entertaining baseball game. Something that's never been done before. The rare eight five triple play. Um, just it's amazing how it unfolds. Just it really truly was. So it was Buxton to the center fielder to the third baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, and what were the White Sox doing? I have no clue. A, it's they, weren't tagging, they weren't tagging up. Right. You, you think it's going to get over the head of maybe your average center fielder? And, but it is Byron Buxton out there. And they're staring at a massive inning. Yes. That's the game right there, Trent. This was the game right there. And instead, he tracks it down. He fires it. It was a terrible throw back into the infield, it wasn't great. Too. Yeah, it wasn't great. And so it gets tracked down by the third baseman, uh, Gio Urshela. Mm-hmm. Goes over to second. And Dick Bremer... He wasn't exactly sure exactly how See, it was, was playing watching, out. Because I love Benetti and, and Stone oh, okay. so much, so I was on their broadcast. Because he's like, all right, a chance at a triple play. He called that right away, uh-huh. but it, he was kind of, I think, Well, the Twins about were, too, because they threw yeah. the first base. They, they didn't, didn't have to. And they didn't have to, because yeah, he had the tag, really, and then he got the force of second. Precisely. And that's what made it the triple play, and that's what made it an 8-5 triple play, mm-hmm. as opposed to an 8-5-3 triple play. Ugh. What a wild play there, and they get it done. Now, when they trotted out, Oh, Again, Pagan? Pagan. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at the numbers, and that's all it was, because I was watching fireworks, so I didn't see it live. Uh-huh. But I see, all right, doesn't give up a hit, just yeah. one walk, not bad. Trent, it wasn't, that, it wasn't that way. And then I look deeper at the box score. So Pagan throws 18 pitches, yeah. seven of them for strikes. It was, it was bad. Here's the baffling thing. Pagan gives up a lot of home runs. That mm-hmm. has been his MO. Throws hard, gives up home runs since he started as a major leaguer. But he can throw hard and throw strikes. Mm-hmm. He's not throwing strikes anymore. Nope. He's walking too many guys. He was a strikeout pitcher. And he's not able to do that anymore. They don't go anywhere else. And I, I also saw, because I was keeping an eye on the box score as the fireworks were getting ready to start. What time did they start, by the way? 9.45. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, peaking every you know 10 minutes, check the score, see what's going on. Why are they bring in Griffin Jacks? I know he went two innings. Yeah. Is it just... 
They yeah. needed to bridge it, and they said, I guess. We can probably get two out of him yep. here tonight. And he was okay, Trent. Yeah. He was okay in that. Uh, and then Duffy wasn't bad at all. Uh, right? It went Jax to Duffy to Begon to Duran, right? Duran, yeah. Yep. Um, that wasn't bad. Uh, Johnny Cueto was good yep. for, for uh, the White Sox. Bundy. Yeah, it's all right. Through 58 pitches. Yeah. I, I understand their theory and their mm-hmm. thought process behind Don't it. Don't want to get to the lineup the third time. Yeah. And they continue to yep. go with that. Five innings is enough. Yep. 58 pitches, though. You know who was terrific? If you're a White Sox fan, your closer was back. Now, they put him in in the eighth inning because Hendricks. it was the heart of the uh, lineup mm-hmm. uh, for the Twins. Come, struck them all out. Struck them all out. Struck out the side. Um, Joe Kelly was not good in that game, but boy, oh boy, that was an entertaining baseball game. These two teams, I'm not sure about Cleveland. I think it's these two that we're looking at that will decide it. I think it's decided amongst themselves. Twins and the White Sox. Uh, the White Sox are in the throes of a massive run through the Central Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these two teams are going to be fun to watch, and they're um, both broadcasts are good to listen to, so... Going to be good. Going to be good. After the Twins, here's what the White Sox have. The Tigers after that at home. And then a bunch with Cleveland, right? Yeah. Four with the Guardians, four with the Twins, four with the Guardians. That takes you up until July 24th. So they end the All-Star. They go into the All-Star break with the Twins and come out of it with the Guardians? Yes. Awesome. I mean, it works perfectly, too, for the White Sox. In a season that has obviously not gone the way I think anybody anticipated. Mm-hmm. You can make arguments, hey, I, th- I think Minnesota's going to push them, whatever it is. Yep. but. You knew they were going to be good. They haven't been good, certainly for what we anticipated. But at that point, you'll know, are we in this thing? Right. Or should we sell off some pieces? Yep. Should we make moves? Should we get rid of some of this bullpen, A, that struggled in its own right, but also our arms that people would want? A lot of decisions and a lot of opportunity, I think, for the White Sox. And it's great to be able to know, right? That's mm-hmm. what you want. You hate to be that team like the White Sox were. Was that 20 years ago with Robin Ventura and yes. company? And they were in the mix. I but think they, they were, sold. And they sold. Yeah. And they were pissed. Yeah. And they were so upset about that. Here, you're going to know. Are we a contender? Can we get into the playoffs at the very least? Mm-hmm. You're going to know after this stretch. You know what else was good over the weekend, Trent? The results weren't there. The, the Cubs are playing with a little bit of uh, oomph behind them. Yeah. Losing in extra innings. The young kids are getting their opportunities. They've taken good teams to extra innings. Haven't been able to get there. Uh, but at that point, the, the class of the other team just kind of shines through. Uh, it was an incredibly Piss poor uh, umpired game. The guy behind the plate, in Milwaukee. Not for. I mean, he didn't pick a side. He was just. He was just awful. Just a terrible. Well, he terrible was consistent job. then. That's what he you was asked consistently for. awful for both teams. That's <laughs> that's a good way to put it. But you know what? Um, they're not bad. They're they're fun. They're not going anywhere. But they're they're trying. Yes. Which I guess. I don't know. You should be able to ask for more than that. We got a little uh, baseball conversation. Not with Matt Snyder though. Oh, he, we don't. Uh, yeah, he just texted me, not able to make it. We're going to change things up. Tommy Birch instead is going to talk some baseball with us. I'm so, good with that. Yeah, on the fly, we're going to adjust here, and Tommy Birch will join us to talk some baseball at the bottom of the hour. All right. We will, before we do that, it's time for another $1,000 home run. You can go to KXNO.com. By the way, did you see Suzuki's Inside the Park yes, home that run? that great. Isn't that something? Uh, KXNO.com, once you get there, enter the keyword grand, grand at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000, grand at KXNO.com. We have another opportunity coming up here uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. 10 o'clock keyword is grand, grand at KXNO.com. In the 11 o'clock hour, we'll start with Scott Darkman. whole lot of realignment conversation. Part two of the Hawkeye survey at The Athletic has been published. This will shock you, Trent. 
the uh, respondents really don't dig Carver Hawkeye no. as a venue. Well, no. Kinnick, for, on the other hand... For men's basketball, I get that. Yeah, It's good for wrestling. Not bad. But people say that all the time. Yeah, It's almost like they're in a different building, right? Different fan base. Yeah, different fan base. Mm-hmm. But I do get the one hand where if you've got to see close to the floor, that's a long climb. It is. Oh, my gosh. They have vendors. Not many of them. No, but, I mean, if you have a vendor and he brings you a drink, I mean, <laughs> you know, you got some point you got to make your bladder gladder, <laughs> right. and that's a, long, that's a long haul. Miller and Condon underway on a Monday, a Tuesday. Uh, the keyword is grand. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Detail. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, we take you until noon. Coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll get back into the realignment with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. He'll join us at 11.05. Nick Olson covers Iowa State for Cycling Alert 24-7 Sports. Tommy Birch joins us. We talk a little baseball with our buddy Birchie. Hello, Tommy Birch. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Doing well. So, uh, boy, Principal Park over the weekend, I know you had to miss one day. You had a family commitment, which was good. Some cool pictures posted on Twitter. Um, but, uh, boy, ballpark was banged out. It was uh, good to see everything back to normal in downtown Des Moines as far as the ballpark goes. Yeah, I mean, you really couldn't have asked for a better weekend if, if you're with Iowa Cubs between the weather, the fireworks show, the rehab assignments. You know, they had uh, Suzuki in town. They had Marcus Stroman in town. So um, some really, really big crowds. And, yeah, it looked, uh, it looked like pre-pandemic for the first time in a when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply long, long time. It really felt that way around the park, too. So, what kind of crowds are they getting for a weekend like that? I mean, is it pretty close to banged out? Are you seeing eight, ten thousand 10,000 people there? What's it been like, at least attendance-wise, and certainly with the big weekend they just had? Yeah, I'm not sure on the exact numbers over the weekend, but they were really good crowds, around eight, nine, ten thousand, 10,000, and um, that's kind of pretty standard for the for the fireworks show. Especially when, when, you know, the Iowa Cups are known to have one of the best fireworks shows in town. That's kind of a hot ticket, um, even for non baseball fans. But then you throw on all the, the other intangibles between perfect weather, rehab assignments. Then you're going to get all kinds of fans that want to check out baseball. But attendance has been really good. That's predictable. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of, um, this is kind of how things go throughout the season for the Iowa Cubs where, Early in the season, not so great. It's cold out. It's rainy out. Nobody wants to be hmm. outside. But then once it warms up, um, people start packing the park. And uh, that's why the Iowa Cubs are, are one of the, the most respected minor league teams in the nation. 
Well, let's talk about some of the guys on the roster. You mentioned a couple of big Cubs down here. Well, let's do. We'll start with those. Stroman had a really good first inning, Birchie, according to your Twitter feed, and then things kind of got away from him. He was on a. Uh, he wasn't going to pitch what more than sixty pitches was it, Birchie? Something like that. Um, what did you What did you think of his performance? Of course, he's not here to win the baseball game. He's here down here to work on some things. Uh, how did it go as far as you know what you saw from uh, one of their big free agent signings this past off season? Yeah, the mine looks really, really bad. I think it was seven hits, five runs, two and two thirds innings. Uh, the stuff actually didn't look that bad. You know, he he attacked the the strike zone. He got ahead of hitters. He produced some relatively soft contact. I think out of the seven hits, maybe three of the balls were actually hit hard. So, I mean, look, that's that's kind of what you want to see. The most important thing when it comes to rehab assignment really isn't the results. It's getting the guy back on the mound or back up at the plate and just getting those reps and kind of getting ready to get back to the big league team. And I think no matter what, how things were going to go with Marcus Stroman outside of getting hurt, he was going to be headed back to the to the big leagues. He actually had a flight to Milwaukee after the game on a mm. private jet uh, from Des Moines. So, um Outside of him getting hurt, he was going to go back up. But even then, I think he would have gotten hurt if they come to him and said, hey, we want to take a look at you and what's going on. But, you know, the the line is a tad bit deceiving when it comes to Marcus Stroman and, and how he threw the ball. But, look, you know, five runs is still five runs against a triple-A team. And there have been some other red flags when it comes to Marcus Stroman and how he has pitched at the big league level, too. So, obviously, not what you want to see, but – think there are still some reasons for optimism and hope uh, as he kind of gets ready for that return back to Chicago. What can you tell us about Darius Hill, a guy that's swinging it pretty well right now, AAA, still 24 years old. You know, what's the best case scenario for a guy like that? Of course, wasn't able to play 2020 right at the beginning of his minor league career. At 24 years old, does he look like, what, at best a fourth outfielder, a piece that can be with the Cubs? What do you think of Hill and what you've seen? Certainly swinging the bat well here the last couple weeks. Yeah, he's a guy that was definitely not on my radar now. Like, he was really on anybody's radar. You look around minor league baseball and talk about top prospect rankings from MLB Pipeline to Baseball America, really the most respected ones. Anywhere you go, you aren't going to see Darius Hill's name. He was a 20th, 20th round draft pick by the Cubs in 2019. But look, he's, he's done absolutely nothing but just absolutely rake for the mm. season. I think his, his slash line is 331, 384, 877. Some really gaudy numbers and even seven home runs. So we've got a little pop in his bat. He actually in a home run in his first triple-A bat with, uh, at bat with Iowa Cubs. So he's looked really, really well. He he has a lot of speed, too. But I think you're right. You know, best-case scenario, is probably a fourth outfielder type guy. And, you know, this is the perfect time to be in the minor league system for the Cubs where yes. they're, they're dealing with injuries, they're going to deal with trades, yep. they're constantly having um, transactions where if you're a guy like this who – look, is not part of the long-term vision or long-term plans of the Cubs, and your hope is to just get to the big league some way, somehow. Uh, this is the team, this is the time, and this is the situation you want to be in to a guy like Darius Hill, where come the end of the season, you're going to see some random names in Chicago <laughs> yeah. that probably aren't the most exciting names, but 
you know, he, he's definitely a guy that's getting worthy of a look at some point this season. Yeah, I don't think he's on the 40-man this year, correct? I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's definitely not on the 40-man. He was a West Virginia guy, so I don't know how high expectations they really had for him. You know, a lot of the people that I've spoken to in the Cubs organization, he's not a name that, you know, has really popped up a lot of times that somebody like, you know, Keep an eye on this guy. This right. guy is really surprising us. I think he's surprising a lot of people in the Cubs system, and I don't think anybody really expected him to hit this well um, at AAA Iowa. But come to the end of the season, when the Cubs start making some some trades, you know, there, there are going to be some 40-man spots. And as we've seen throughout this season, there are a lot of guys that have not been on the 40-man roster mm-hmm. in Iowa that have gotten shots in Chicago. So, I would certainly say anything is possible. And like I said, right team, right time, uh, right situation right now for Darius Hill. Tell me about Caleb Keller, uh, Killian rather. Is he, like he goes up, he dominates down here, he gets up and for whatever reason, he he hasn't been awful, don't get me wrong. Um, Maybe maybe, maybe I just thought he was going to just come up and just take over. where 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 are the Cubs as far as his development? Is he right now a quadruple A type 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 of guy? Too good for triple A, but not quite ready for major league baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think the jury's still out on that. But if you ask me, I still think he is a big league guy. He's probably a middle to back in the back end of the rotation type guy. I don't think he's a front line number one or number two starter. But he is still their top pitching prospect. He is pitched for the most part, lights out here. And like you had said, I struggle massively when he's been up there. But I think some of that is uncharacteristic type stuff that you're seeing when he goes up there. And I don't know if that's nerves. I don't know if that's, um, you know, whatever. But he's doing things that you don't see him doing in AAA where, you know, he, he does have much fastball command and he just – pretty much loses all command of a lot of his other pitches as well. But if you really watch him at the AAA level, um, that's something that really hasn't been an issue for Caleb Killian this year. I Frankly, I think they kind of moved him up there a little too mm-hmm. soon. They kind of handled, handled him with kid gloves throughout the season where they kept him on a pretty tight pitch count. Um, they wanted to take their time. And then when they brought him up to Chicago – you know, then they kind of unleashed him um, to a certain degree and and asked him to do some things they really hadn't done in AAA. So I think, look, if for the first time really in his career, he's had to deal with a little adversity, but he's a, he's a tough kid. He's, he's a smart guy. Um, he knows how to pitch. And, um, you know, I think through the first part of his career, he kind of flew under the radar. So I think he knows. He knows how to, to overcome this. I think the the Cubs still have really high hopes for him. Another pitcher, Keegan Thompson, who's pitched incredibly well for yep. the Cubs this year. You didn't see a ton of him last year. I think he made four star, starts, I thought it was, uh, with the Iowa Cubs. But he was a third-round draft pick. I mean, a, a pretty high draft pick overall. What was the conversation about Keegan Thompson? And if the big club gets it turned around, they're a playoff contender how do you slot him? Is he, you know, number three, number four kind of starter, a great number five? How do you see Thompson when he look long term uh, as a starter with the Cubs? Yeah, I think he's another one of those I like him. rotation guys. I mean, he's got some really good stuff, but you look at him and Justin Steele, and in yep. terms of what you look for in terms of guys that are at the front end of the rotation, it's usually 
lights out stuff. It's like, okay, it's a guy that throws in the high 90s. It's a guy that has great off-speed stuff. When you look at Thompson, you look at Steele, they have good stuff. But there's nothing, there is nothing about them that like really jumps off the page. There's not that X factor that really stands out. They've just got really good, consistent stuff. It's nothing flashy. It's nothing great. It's nothing overpowering. So I think that's where they kind of fit into things as kind of those middle of the rotation guys, which are, look, those are still hard to find, to develop, to work up and, and get to the big leagues. But I think the Cubs are off to a really good start in terms of finding what their future is with that starting rotation. And look, that's kind of been the bugaboo for the Chicago Cubs for a long, long time is that they could develop bats, they could draft, develop, and and move up big bats, but they can never do it with pitching. Now you're starting to see mm-hmm. a few arms that are getting through the system. And I think these are a couple of guys that you could probably build that rotation around. You can go out and find the number one um, to kind of lead that rotation in the years to come. Yeah, both of them. I mean, uh, Steele was terrific yesterday. Ran out of gas. He was just over 100 pitches, and, and uh, Ross tried to get one more out, out of him. I think it was six and two-thirds and uh, kind of got him. That was a good move. I, I really liked that he, he let Justin Steele go back out there and stay out there and kind of work through it. You know, yeah. He knows that this is going to be something that Justin Steele has to work through and battle through uh, down the road. I think that was a moment that Confidence builder. Work out for, yeah, it didn't work yeah. out for the Cubs in the moment, but that that shows exactly where the Cubs feel um, they are with Justin Steele and, and guys like Keegan Thompson, that they have high hopes for them in this part of the development phase. Field, field of Dreams in a second, Bert. You just went on Suzuki when he was down here. Um, look, he, he he was really, no surprise, he pounded the baseball all over the field, hits it to all fields, went up, and we saw the inside the park home run yesterday. His interpreter comes with him, right, Tommy, when he's on the road? And um, uh, what was the opportunities like for the fans to see him maybe get an autograph? Uh, were you around to see any, see any of that? Yeah, his uh, his interpreter goes everywhere with him. I believe he actually had a trainer with him. So he had quite the crew, and I believe seven um, seven media members from uh, Japanese newspapers right? were in town, too. So um, it, it was it was quite the show, but he was great. He talked to us after the game, uh, came out after five, six innings, I believe, showered, kind of um, got some, some therapy, and then actually spoke to us uh, during the game. So he was really good, and he was great with the fans, too. You know, I saw him before the game. There were a group of Little League baseball players, uh, an entire Little League team hmm. that was near the Iowa Cubs dugout that was running onto the field with the team for the national anthem. He stopped over to all those kids, signed autographs That's for great. him, posed for pictures. And some of the fans I talked to had said he was great about signing outside the park as well. So... Um, as far as big league assignments, uh, uh, minor league rehab assignments, he, he did it all. I heard he even bought the postgame spread, which hmm. is kind of the, 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 the tradition yep. for big league players coming down. But, um, yeah, everything could not have gone much better in, in terms of that's it for him and I think the fans and the players. Before we get the Field of Dreams game with the Cubs and the Reds, there's going to be a minor league game that's going to be played there. I think a little sticker shock for a few people. What was it? 80 bucks, something like that, Crazy to get in price money. if you're going to sit at a decent seat. Fill us in on this, and 
What kind of crowd do you anticipate for the minor league game? Yeah, 85 bucks Jesus. and 65 bucks, depending on where the seats are. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the number I've been hearing for a while. And I think uh, from talking to to people around Major League Baseball, they fully anticipate this game being sold yeah. out. Um, and I, I actually do, too. I think people aren't going to buy the ticket to to go see the Quad City River Bandits or the Cedar Rapids Journals. They, they aren't even buying the ticket to see a minor league right. game. They're going to see yeah. a baseball game at the Field of Dreams movie site on that specially constructed field. There's so many people have missed out on the game last year. There's so many people that are going to miss out on the game last year, this year, too. And they just want to be a part of it. They want to see... Uh, a baseball game there. It is in such high demand right now that um, somebody I spoke to through Major League Baseball thought, look, no matter what we price these tickets, people are going to buy. And the the expectation is, and the hope is, it'll be a sellout crowd for that nationally televised game. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the ticket prices are pretty high, but people will pay them, and I've already... I've already talked to a few fans who have shelled out the money and did quickly and without any second thoughts uh, as soon as they went went on sale on Saturday. Yeah, the Guttenberg office checked in over the weekend, said that they fully expect it to, without a doubt, sell out. And uh, said a lot of big names are coming into town for the entire week, Tommy. And he didn't speculate any further on that. Have you heard? I fully anticipate Rob, uh, Rob Manfred being back again. He was there last year. This kind of his his, uh, his crown jewel of baseball events. This uh, opportunity for him to kind of get out, shake some hands, kiss some babies, and probably do a victory lap around the field. Yeah. You, know, this, you know, Rob Manfred has not done many things that are popular in the eyes of baseball fans or the players, but this is an event that is seemingly one over everyone, even the players who I think had a lot of reservations about the idea of coming um, to the middle of a cornfield in Dyersville, Iowa, in the middle of the season. But you talk to all these guys on the Yankees and the White Sox last year, they absolutely loved it. They It, it exceeded all of their expectations. So Brad Manfred will be there. Um, I actually spoke to somebody from Fox earlier this year for a story at DesMoinesRegister.com. i got to get a little plug-in. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I talked to somebody from Fox. I went up to Dyersville earlier this summer when they were kind of looking around the site. And what they want to do for kind of that pregame event or the actual game is find a way to incorporate some of the historic past of the Reds and the Cubs. And kind of the strong, heavy indications I've gotten there um, – that could include having some big-name former players coming back, guys like Johnny Bench, uh, probably Fergie Jenkins, Ryan Sandberg, kind of the usual suspects when it, when it comes to the Cubs. I, I think it would be pretty far-fetched to think that Pete Rose might be a part of that. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I, yeah. Man, that would, that would be really That would be cool. great. That, that opens up a whole other conversation you know. about uh, about how things are going in baseball and you know, to me, the Pete Rose story kind of opens up that idea of like, man, we are celebrating um, a game and a movie and a team um, that threw the nineteen nineteen mm-hmm. World Series. And last year, when Rob Manfred came to came to the game, I was in the press conference and I got one question, and I, I was hoping to have two, but one of the questions I was going to ask him is, 
does this make you kind of reevaluate the situation when it comes to Joe Jackson's Hall of Fame candidacy? And right now, all uh, kind of everything I've gathered is no. But man, this would be a perfect time mm-hmm. to maybe reevaluate that moving forward. But um, especially with how much gambling is involved in baseball, precisely. And like I said, how Joe Jackson is the central <laughs> figure behind the entire movie and why we are playing this game in Dyersville. That's a great point. Birchie, how are the Twins going to fix their bullpen? Man, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm uh, the GM of the Twins, which, let's, let's be honest, I probably should yes, be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the Cubs, I'm looking at their closer, and I'm saying, mm-hmm. hey, let's, uh, let's go make a, a trade with the Chicago Cubs. They seem like the perfect team to do it with. We're one... Um, it's a team in a different league. You don't have to worry about competing with them. And I think the Twins have some some prospects of, that the Cubs would really like to rebuild their system with. So I think you got to look for another closer. You got to look for another setup man. You know to to go with Durant, but um, and maybe another starter just because that rotation has been so shaky with injuries. But realistically, I don't know what the Twins can go out and get that is going to fix that curse against the Yankees or whoever <laughs> else they're going to play in the postseason. It seems like no matter how good this Twins team is and no matter how good they do during the season, it almost seems like it's going to be impossible for them to get through the postseason. I know that's kind of crazy thinking, but you know it's honestly in the back of every Twins fan's mind. Well, if they do well, go out and get David Robertson. Maybe uh, maybe his catcher comes with him. Uh, Contreras looked good in the Twins uniform, too, down the and stretch. And they could use another catcher. Indeed, yeah. they could. Some guys with some pop and can hit a little bit. Birchie, thanks for doing this, Tommy. Uh, DesMoinesRegister.com is where you can follow Tommy Birch. Uh, read Tommy Birch and all the crew over at uh, Des Moines Register. Birchie, thank you, Tommy. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep, good to catch up with you, Tommy Birch. So we talk a little baseball with our buddy from the Register. We'll take a time out. Again, if you missed it earlier, the keyword in the 10 o'clock hour was grand, grand, KXNO.com. 11 o'clock hour, we'll start with Scott Dockerman from The Athletics. We get back into realignment. Uh, and then Nick Oson on Iowa State. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.5. I'm- Couple of minutes, hour number one, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Trent Condon, Ken Miller on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. So the Guttenberg office has chimed in. Yes. More information trickling out. Uh, former Reds Ken Griffey Sr., mm-hmm. Dave Concepcion, and George Foster, who hit 50 with them or 49? He was in the 40s. Okay, so 49. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs will be, and this is the list partially. The Cubs will be represented by World Series champion Ben Zobrist, Ferguson Jenkins, and Carlos Zambrano. <laughs> so those, those that's the autograph session um, for grade school kids. I'm not sure of the date, but those are the those are some of the names that will be making their way to the Field of Dreams. I almost saw Zambrano throw a no hitter at Wrigley. Did you really? Mm. Against who? Do you remember? Against Padres. Yeah. I uh, was there with uh, a couple of my buddies, Infante, who listens pretty much every day. He's probably in his patrol car right now listening. <laughs> uh, my buddy Graham, Barry, we were there, and there was an event. It was like in the seventh inning. He had a no-header going, but they're down one nothing. He gave up. There's like a walk in an air. Yeah. They're down one nothing, And all of a sudden, there was a melee, 
a skirmish. In the stands? The, uh, no, on the field. And all of a sudden, Zimbrano comes running out, and he's got his belt waggling around. And we thought from the outfield seats and 10 old styles in that he was trying to whip people with his belt. What was he doing? Well, we texted some people and found out, no, he was adjusting his pants as it happened. He just ran out of the field and it was just flopping around. Or he'd gone to the restroom. And, right, yeah, in between. Yeah, right. But this is the day before. You can't just look at Twitter. You can't just uh, of course. find out what exactly right. happened. So we're speculating. I think he was trying to whip that guy. <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. There's so my what, Carlos what year, what year? Give me an idea. 2014? No, oh, 2005, 2006. Wow. Yeah, right in that range. It was, we're talking a ways back. Oh, my gosh. That's good stuff. Well, he'll be there. Um, I'll ask him if he remembers that one. That, that's that's good stuff. So this going to be a pretty big event. And yes, the, the minor league game, they do fully anticipate this is going to sell out without a doubt. Well, as opposed to paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. to get in to watch it. To see the ballpark, which is kind of the thing why I watch as much Cubs as I do. Mm-hmm. It's Wrigley Field. Just I love the, the ballpark. Is yes, spectacular. All right, hour number two, Scott Dockerman, who's on vacation, by the way. He's going to join us. That's Grateful great. for that, for him for doing that for us. He'll kick off the hour. Nick Olson on Iowa State, 1125, 1130-ish. Trent's play of the day. Hour two, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.